of the great man is conflated into the history, not only of France, but the whole of Europe. The understanding is that if you understand Napoleon's personal biography, his power relationships, his relationships with women, his relationships with other European monarchs, then one therefore understands the history of the whole period. But if we look at Bonapartism and the phenomenon as a dictatorship, we can tie it to the revolution. How does a revolution based on liberty and constitutionalism slide into the dictatorship of one man? Note, I have not said a military dictatorship, because it wasn't. Napoleon insisted that his was a civilian dictatorship, and that he ruled as a civilian, and that's why he was adored. I think that is correct. Before we could answer the questions about cause of 1789, cause of terror, cause of Bonaparte, we have to establish some definitions. It might seem obvious that we all know what a revolution is, but unless we are clear about the definition, an unspoken definition, an unspecified definition will lead us in certain directions. Unless we can decide what was revolutionary about the French Revolution, we will rather unconsciously drift around in the narrative. Defining what was revolutionary can affect the choice of what to talk about, and it can affect how we place the revolution in European history. Let me give you an example of what this can mean about definition and how we define. The classic definition of the French Revolution is a Marxist one, which we'll see later has, has considerable explanatory power, is a Marxist definition that places its emphasis upon class and class relations. In that narrative, there's a great deal of emphasis placed upon social structure, social movements, violence from below, and so on. Mere events or biography count less. And when I was a graduate student, we were all working on the unspoken assumption that the king himself, Louis XVI, had only a peripheral relation with the ultimate meaning of the revolution. On the other hand, the Marxist revolution has now gone into great eclipse. Practically no one accepts it any longer. So we need a new definition about what is revolutionary about the revolution. And what a lot of historians have come up with is to place Louis XVI, the king, at the center of events and that the, the, the climax of the revolution is now the trial of Louis XVI in December 1792, January 1793. The apex of the entire period occurred at 10.20 in the morning of 21st of January 1793 when the revolutionaries executed Louis XVI. The execution of the king therefore becomes pivotal in defining what the revolution was about. It was regicide. That is the meaning of the revolution. That in turn, if that is the definition of revolution, if regicide is the definition of revolution, then that affects our research agenda. Because then we go back into the 18th century and look for signs of weakness in the monarchy. That has had a very salutary effect in the past 20 years, a rehabilitating the political history of the 18th century. But it has also led to a very large claim that the monarchy was very weak on the eve of 1789. And the phrase used is desacralization, that the monarchy had lost the religious patina that it had shared or had participated for centuries.
because of the decadence of Louis XV and because of the inanity of Louis XVI and his relationship with Marie Antoinette. The monarchy was desacralized, its religious gloss removed, and as a result, it could be attacked in 1789, and we're not very far in 1789 from the tumbrils of January 1793. So how we define what is revolutionary about the revolution affects the things we talk about, and also about the research agenda that we set for ourselves. Contemporaries had a definition of revolution which is interesting to explore. Given 18th century beliefs about revolution, a revolution in 1789 in a country like France was unthinkable. It could not occur because the concept did not exist. The old regime definition of revolution involved any sudden change in the state.